Musings of the Mick, talking about board games and related stuff. Hooray! It's the end of the year, and that means this is the last podcast of the year, being number four, as we just started it recently. But as we say goodbye to 2023, I'm going to give you a gift. This episode will be commercial-free, thanks to sponsorship from our YouTube channel and our Patreon. So make sure to visit them and tell them thanks. So, with this being the last episode of the year, we are going to wrap it up with a mega game episode that we teased last week. We are going to cover seven games I really liked this year, and for a bit of balance, we are also going to talk about three games I didn't like as much. But before we get into all that, we of course will talk about recent plays, and a tad bit of crowdfunding as well, which will be a little different, as there's not many projects going on right now. So, let's get our game on! We actually ended up having a game day recently, just the two of us. So those are the four games I'm going to cover today. Let's start with these first two. First up, we have Cape May from Thunderworks Games. This is a game where you're going to be moving around a map and putting out different structures and possibly upgrading them to score points come the end of the game. So basically, you have four actions to do a variety of tasks. You can either play moving cards and move around the map. You can spend money to build or upgrade structures. You can draw or play activity cards, which lets you do those actions just better. So there is some interesting playing decisions and movement counting in this game because you have these movement cards, and some of them are free, some of you have to pay money. But you need to end at a certain place because you have to move the actual number. You can't move more or less. So try and figure out what you want to do in future turns or in that turn, move here, do this, then move here, then do that, is some real interesting decision space in there. The components are excellent. So normally, so you start off with cottages, and um, I think it's stores. When those get upgraded, they go into Victorians and businesses, and those are actually these cool 3D minis that look awesome. And then when you go make the Victorians landmark status, they actually have these 3D bases that you put that on, so it has a little fence around it. One of the things we didn't like is that the events can be hit or miss. Like the first few we had, they're like, if you have upgraded buildings, well, we're obviously not going to have upgraded buildings in the first round or two because you need to get them out, get them built, get them, then upgrade them and do all of that. And along with those event cards, the event cards are cool, though, because they do have historical facts on them. But again, what's not good about the event cards is some of them have, are you put out fire tokens, and where there's just like, here's a picture, put them here. And sometimes that picture is hard to line up with the map and exactly where they're going to go. If you're like, well, maybe this, maybe not that. So I would have kind of liked maybe more between streets or something. But overall, I would say it's enjoyable. We do plan on playing it again, and there is a solo mode I'll probably be looking at here shortly. The other game we have, Rolling Heights, from Alderac Entertainment Group, otherwise known as AEG. In this one, you're going to be rolling your meeples in your little meeple rolling box and then bringing them out if they're standing up or standing on their head, which is leaning. And then based on how they are is how well they do the action. And you're going to use those to get resources or take actions. You're going to use those resources to buy buildings and put them on this map. Then you're going to be able to stack those resources because there's these little cubes that stack up to try and build those buildings. It'll be like six class. You got to stack up six of the cubes. It's really interesting and a fun concept, rolling the meeples, building the tiles. It's got this cool toy factor, hands-on, going to have some table presence because everything's so tall. It kind of feels like a bag builder or deck builder feel to it because based on what buildings you build, 
is what meeples you'll get. So that way you can kind of maybe focus on going this way or that way with how you want to do stuff. Um, I will say though, it does have a massive footprint so much so that it is hard to see some of the building tiles and the abilities of the meeple if it is laid out normally. So I had to give Bri like the rule book so she could keep an eye on how the things work because the tile that shows that is all the way across the table by me and kind of far away. Also, as the buildings get taller, it's kind of hard to see around them. Also, with the buildings, Bri kind of kept knocking over her buildings as she's trying to move stuff around. So, I mean, they do stay pretty good. It's just she was kind of clumsy with that. I wouldn't mind playing this again if asked, but I'm not like rushing to it being like, oh my God, I definitely got to play Rolling Heights again. So overall, not a bad game though. All right, let's get into that itty bitty bit of crowdfunding. All right, so not much crowdfunding to cover. I am going to cover two things, and both of these are actually going to be found on GameFound. The first is the Battle of Versailles, Versailles, however you want to pronounce it. It comes to, you, to us from Salt and Pepper Games, and this is a two-player only game. One side is playing America, and the other is France, and you're doing battle to be the global leader in the fashion industry. What's going to happen is each person stay on the side of a board, and the model's going to walk down the board, and where they land is going to trigger actions on either side of the board, and then you fulfill those actions, then whoever has the most points at the end will be the global leader in the fashion industry, either America or France. This game is already, I guess, produced. So once it funds and they get their money from Game Fund, they will be shipping it out, so this should fulfill quickly. The other thing it has on it is a other game called Take a Seat, which is a unique verb and right that they have called a share and right. So you're going to have your theater board in front of you and you're going to have these boards on either side that will be going to your opponent as well. And you're moving them back and forth, filling in these tickets for these reservations. And then you'll fill in those shapes on your board. So the shapes are going to keep changing as you each go back and forth, claiming on the different tickets to be able to put on your reservation board, trying to fill in your board. So that is one that we are currently backing because the two-player only. We like all these different verb and write games that are coming out. So it definitely is intriguing. Plus, with the quick turnaround, we should have it here in like a couple of months. The other thing I'm going to cover is not currently funding. It has already funded. There are late pledges going on until about mid-January. And that is for Red Raven Games has this massive pledge manager going on. So it started out where they basically have come up with a couple of new things in his world of Arzium. If you're not aware of this, Ryan Lockett, the creator, board game designer, artist, all of that for Red Raven Games, has this world called Arzium. There's Naren Far, Above and Below, Now or Never, ones you've probably heard of. Well, he created a new game in there called Creature Caravan and an RPG game. In addition to all of that, he, for un locked stretch goals is reprints of some of those older games that are kind of harder to find so you can get those such as above and below city of iron and he has a new edition the emerald edition of Islebound, available in this pledge manager as well so there's a lot of new stuff in here as long as some older stuff so it's a huge encompassing campaign we have already backed for creature caravan we're probably gonna be adding on city of iron and i'm toying with the idea of the role-playing game all right, but that is it for crowdfunding. So let's go ahead and talk about some games that I liked from the year of 2023. All right, so we are going to rapid fire this because I need to cover 10 games in approximately 15 minutes. So let's get started with four I liked. Then we're going to write three I didn't like and finish it off with the three that I liked. All right, first one I'm going to mention is Junk Drawer. This comes to us from Winsmith Games and 25th Century Games. I covered this last episode in a recent solo play. 
So why do I like this one? It is super quick playing. You, we rarely ever play it just once. We deal out the four gold cards. We fill in the stuff. It ends in like 15 minutes. We reshuffle, put out new gold cards, go again. It's a fun puzzle every time, and there are interesting shapes. The fun puzzle is, all right, this one doesn't need a lot of shapes, so how am I going to put in shapes there to still leave myself opportunities to put other shapes there so I don't prematurely end my round and not score a lot in the other drawers? So there's just that cool design space there of where am I going to put stuff like I said, just some of the shapes are interesting. They're not your typical Tetris shapes. Next up, we have Spellbook. This comes with us from Space Cowboys. This is a Phil Walker Harding game. In it, you're going to be grabbing these little tokens called Matera, and you're going to be collecting those, and you're either going to feed them to your familiar for end-of-game points or save them up and use them to cast spells. That will either let you take more Materia, score more points later, or be able to cast spells differently. We like Phil Walker Harding, so this, that's why we got this one. Two, the components are really cool. The bag itself is nice and big. The material are like acrylic bits. The cards are big. Artwork is awesome. There's three different of each spell, and you have seven spells out. So there's tons of different options that you can choose, and you can even base it on your play style. Like, do you want to just randomly grab a lot of material? All right, then you're going to want to have this spell card out to possibly unlock. Are you going to want to focus more on the symbols? Are you going to want to focus more on your familiar? They kind of have spell cards that determine all that. So you could even do like a draft of one person chooses a spell, you choose a spell, you choose a spell. As long as you all have the same spells, you're good to go. Three, Cosmoctopus. This comes with us from Paper Fort Games. In this one, you are going to be moving your little worker around these different cards or tiles to collect resources. You're going to use those resources to do one of four different card types. You can do constellations. You can put out the, I think it's tomes, which basically helps you have more resources. You can just spend them to get tentacles. But basically your main goal is to get tentacles, to be able to be the devotee that summons the great inky one, Cosmoctopus. You may have seen Pippi played through a solo version of this on the channel. The components, super, super good. The tentacles are awesome. The production is fantastic. All the resources are held in this cool tentacle-shaped bin. The iconography works well. The play, there's different tiles that you can put out to add some replayability there. There's the different paths to get the tentacles, so that's always cool. One person might be choosing to do the constellations. Another one's going to do this. There is some small engine building tableau management where you're trying to have this thing that might help here and this might help here, but it's not necessarily a huge part. It is more so just that tableau of trying to get to tentacles as quick as you can. The last one I'm going to cover on these four is Shake That City coming to us from Alderac. In this one, you have a cube shaker. You're going to shake it up. You're going to push with a lever. It dispenses cubes in a three by three grid. You are then going to choose a color. Take that. That's going to correspond to tiles. You're going to put those tiles on your map, and then each tile scores a different way. So cool things about this game. The cube shaker is just awesome. It makes a cool rattling sound. It's really satisfying. Clicking that, lifting it up, and just as perfect cubes. It's just really cool. The spatial puzzle element of... When you take the tiles, they have to stay in the same direction so you can't even maneuver them around. So being able to figure out how you want to put that there and the best way to score for your shops, for your roads, for all this, and just trying to manage all of that on this little map. And then there are two sides map on, on the other side. Certain buildings act a different way, so that's a whole new way of scoring. 
and the roads have to lead more into a corner as opposed to all around the edges, which is pretty cool. And they did have an expansion that adds wild cubes, which just kind of adds that whole cool other element to the game. All right, let's get into three games I didn't like before we get into those final three. Three games I didn't like. We have Book of Villainy that comes from Gold Seal Games. In this one, you're basically moving your villain around this kind of rondelle, these different locations to either get resources, hire henchmen, and you're doing all this so you can write your book and write these chapters in the tableau in front of you. Then you want to have them hopefully arranged in number order and by certain symbols and all of that. For us, the movement just seemed limiting at times. We couldn't quite get to where we wanted to go. There was things in our way. It just felt like you weren't able to do what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. It can get cutthroat because you have the superhero you're going to be moving around that can be taking stuff away from your opponent. And then we just kind of felt like you're forced to just deal with whatever gets dealt. There was no way, to, I think, if I remember right, to really change out the chapter cards or what have you. It's just chapter cards are there. All right, well, I guess those are the ones we have to go for. So it just, it felt just not like there was a lot of decent decisions there. Next one we didn't like, fiction. So this may be better at more player counts. We only played at two players and it just wasn't fun because at that point it's just one person on one person. If you don't know, this is kind of like Wordle, except that the clue giver can lie about one of the answers. So you might have a letter right. They'll say, oh no, no, that one's wrong. But then they have to be truthful about everything else. So trying to figure out exactly what they lied for, that whole logic puzzle just wasn't good for us. We just didn't enjoy that way of doing it. We didn't enjoy the lying aspect of it. And like I said, it'd probably be better if there was more minds working on it who kind of think differently. Just for us, it just didn't click because it didn't, it's not a two-player type of game for us. And the last one is Hickory Dickory. So the so Brian and I actually disagree on this one. She likes this one. I do not. And it's... The reason I like it isn't because it's a bad game. It actually is a good game. Components are fantastic. Play is fantastic. This comes to us from Plaid Hat Games. And what it is is you have these different mice workers who all have different storage abilities and different powers. And the main board is this clock that goes around. Well, as the clock's coming around, you have your mice jump up and then they can jump off later. You're going to collect resources and do other actions while you're doing that to basically try and turn all that in for points and favors and such. I just, it's a level of playing that I myself am not capable of. Bride doesn't necessarily plan ahead. She kind of just goes by her whims, flies by the seat of her pants. So it tends to work out better for her. And it's hard. It was hard for me to remember what mouse is where, where I need them to end up because each mouse is different and they have different resources in their packs and you need to have them be where they need to be able to use those resources because the other mice can't access their resources. So like I said, it was just that level of planning and maneuvering and all that, that I just, I couldn't get my head around and just... It just wasn't for me. Like I said, the game mechanism is good. The hook is good. It just, it didn't click with me for one way or another. If that sounds like something you enjoy, go ahead and check it out. It's just for me, the whole maneuvering around the clock and trying to figure out where I had to be just wasn't great. And may, who knows, maybe it just wasn't good with two players for me. Maybe I'd enjoy it at a higher player count. Who knows? All right. With that being said, and looks like I'm about on time with this, we have three games left. First off, we have Rauha. You can actually find a playthrough of the bride and I doing this on the channel. This comes to us from Gray Games, distributed over here by Hatchet Board Games. You are going to be drafting cards to put in your grid. After you put a card in your grid, you're going to activate the row or column, depending on where your little druid worker guy is at. And then you're going to 
draft another card. All this is basically happening simultaneously, except for when you place the card, that does go back and forth. After your fourth turn, you're into a scoring phase, which is going to trigger if you have any of the deities, they're going to trigger their powers, and any cards you have these little spore tokens on are also going to go. I really enjoy the drafting of it, that there is no special two-player rules. Usually in a drafting game, it's like, we'll do this and have this dummy hand and move that here. Nope, not on this one, just go ahead. I like the fact that there's some engine building in it. Like, I'm going to put a spore token on this that gets me crystals, and then this one I can turn those crystals in for points, and this one lets me put out a spore token, and this lets me get points for a spore token. So spore placement really is key in this game. It's quick and simple playing. I will say we have found out that that one that scores for spores does tend to be overpowered, at least in a two-player game, because every time I've had it, I've just crushed Bry in the game so that does seem a little overpowered at least to us in our plays so far next one that we enjoyed or i enjoyed specifically it was after us from pandasaurus games in this one you're going to be drawing cards and arranging them to complete these cells on them there's three rows of them you are then going to activate the card from left to right and gain all the resources and then you're going to be able to turn those resources in for points and possibly more points or actions on the bottom row this has some really cool artwork and some really cool mechanisms with those cells because optimally what you're trying to do is turn those resources in for more powerful apes who have better cells and better abilities and then just keep churning out to try and get points there and the four different apes you can get each have different focuses one gives you a bunch of basically like idea tokens or energy tokens one gives you a bunch of points one lets you have rage which lets you call your deck the other just lets you reactivate cells. So it's kind of cool because you can choose, well, what route do I want to go? Do I want to just trim my deck down as much as possible just to optimize my engine? Do I want to get a bunch of energy and turn the energy in for all of these equipment that's out? So with the different abilities and ways you can go, that just kind of adds into how are you going to plan ahead? What rewards do you want to get? What do you want to focus on so you can maybe attract that specific type of ape this does ramp up pretty quickly once you get those apes because you'll be getting like one point here one point there one point there and all of a sudden on one turn you're getting six points seven points eight points and it's a race to 80 um you really need to be able to keep track of how much you are getting for those resources though because if you want to get that specific ape then you need to make sure that you have those resources and you don't actually spend them going down and like I said, it does reward multiple strategies. You can go with the straight point one, but then you might not be getting as many resources or being able to turn those resources in for stuff. So that is pretty cool there. Finally, we are going to talk about Earth, not just the planet, the game. This comes to us from Inside Up Games. And if you look at our channel, you will find everything. You will find an unboxing, you'll find a solo play, and you will find Brian and I playing through it. Spoiler alert for my other video. This is my number one game of the year, so you can actually hear about it in both spaces if you listen and watch. In this game, you are going to be taking an action. There's four different colored actions. You're going to take them, and that's going to get you resources and or cards and allow you to play cards to your tableau. It also allows you to get these growth tokens, which you'll put on cards to score points at the end or these other, I forgot what they're called right now, but they're these little green cubes. And you can use those to help pay for things. Some cards will give you points for them. They get points at the end. But you're basically building this tableau out. 
And then when you choose that action color, so say you go ahead and choose the red color, you get your soil, and then you start going through your tableau left to right, top to bottom, and triggering any of your red cards, which will then give you stuff. So that is what's one of the cool things about this, is that you can get that engine building, you can get those things in a row of, all right, I'm going to go through here. This gives me three soil. Now I'm going to turn two of that soil in for a growth token. Now I'm going to discard that growth token to compost three cards. I'm going to spend those three compost cards to now do four growth. So it's, you can just create this cool chain reaction going down. The components in it are really cool. Like I said, those growth tokens are these little uh, wood colored pieces and you're going to put those down. And then when it gets to the top, you have a different cap. There's like four different colors that are just there for aesthetics. But yeah, you can just cap it off and now you have this big thing growing on your board. So it's just got that great table presence and that card synergy is so cool. Like I said, this can turn into this, that can turn into this. Also, some of them are going to score points. Like you'll score points for your mushrooms in this row and that row. So that gives you a little thing. All right, gotta make sure that that's here and that's here. And then it also lines up there. So there is that depth of level of thinking you want. And then the art is just stunning. All right, but that was seven that I liked, three I didn't. Now let's go ahead and hear about a couple of recent plays that may make a list in the future. For these next two recent plays, these are both kind of in the same series, even though they're released by different companies. They're the Loaded Roll and Write series. First, we're going to cover the first one that was in that series called Fleet the Dice Game, and this came to us from Eagle Griffin Games. In this one, you are going to grab dice, equal to players plus one, and you're going to have two sets of dice. You're going to have the dice you're going to roll in the boat phase, which has different fish on them. You're going to, the star player rolls them. They choose one. They go to the next player. They choose one. Everyone chooses the die. There's going to be one left in the middle. Everyone shares that, and you're going to mark stuff off on your sheet. As you're marking the fish going down, you're either going to unlock licenses or boats, and boats will be getting filled with fish in every even number around. After you do all of that, you are then going to go into the town phase where you have a town die basically per player and then a fish die. You're going to roll those dice, same thing. First player is going to pick one, everyone's going to pick one. Remaining one, everyone gets to share. And in town, you're unlocking abilities to score more points, mitigate your dice. There actually is a wharf where you can get other boats and extra end of game points, maybe even doing an extra fishing phase. This game is super comboy and synergistic, like doing this that unlocks this over here. It is super cool. I discovered this one initially mobily, which there was a mobile play on the YouTube channel, and I just adored it, went out, bought the physical version, and we played it, and yeah, it just, you do this, and then this can get you this, and then you're getting coins, and coins unlock free actions to do here and here and there. Sometimes you can take five to six actions just by using one die. The sheets are laid out well, explain things easily. They have, for each round, they have the different phases so you can cross off as you're going through them. Super good game. If you want to get the digital version, try it out. Go ahead. It's a really good implementation. And then the physical game is good as well. The next one we are going, I'm going to cover is actually their newest one that hasn't been fulfilled yet. They do have one that will be getting here in like January or February, but this is their newest general release, and that is Motor City. So this comes from their newly formed group called Motor City Gameworks. At the beginning, you're going to roll dice that are determined by the player count. You'll then place them in a corresponding section on the board in the middle. A player will select a die. They'll get the bonus that's in the spot where the die is. They will then choose to either do the action, upgrade the action, or do research. After that, they're going to put an empty action slot on their sheet and do that action at its power level because that's what happens as you upgrade stuff. You might be able to cross off more for that action. That is a very small basis of it. There is quite a bit going on in this one. Like I said, that's the bare bones. 
This can be a little tricky to keep things tracked. There is a log on there where you can write down the action stuff to do. But again, super combos that go to different parts of the sheets. That's why it could be kind of hard to figure out. Things on one part are going to fill in on the other sheet. And that's where that synergy comes in. It's like you have to go around the racetrack to unlock the tires for this production. And then you also have to go up and research to get rid, unlock these cargo containers for that. So it can get a little bit overwhelming. I did really enjoy it. Bri was a bit overwhelmed, but we did play this near the end of the game day. So she'd already learned or two other games that day. This was her third. So it was just her brain was fried by that point. I am intrigued to try it again. See how it plays differently each time. My one concern with it is that putting the dice on the board can be fiddly because you have to line them up by color and by symbol on it. So it just gets a little wonky as you're trying to do and kind of just disrupts the flow of the game. All right, but let's see what is going to be coming up next on the channel and maybe even the podcast. So what's going to be happening on the channel in the coming weeks until our next episode? Well, this is going to be a lighter week of videos releasing with the holidays and such, but we do have some things coming up. Specifically later this week, I will be posting my top seven solo and top seven two-player games all in one video. It'll cover games that have not been mentioned here the past two episodes, so go ahead and check that out if you are interested in more games that I am liking from this past year. We are going to use this downtime, though, to analyze our video schedule and see if there will be any changes, so keep an eye out if that will happen. You will see those changes happening on the channel. It'll probably be maybe eliminating certain video series we're doing, maybe moving some days around and such. I can tell you, though, one of the first videos we are doing in the new year is going to be a Mega Rolling Realms video. Rolling Realms is a roll and write released by Stonemaier Games. Each card is a different board game to kind of give you that feel. Well, so far, they have released 42 different realms. Normally in a game, you'll select nine random realms, play three rounds with three cards each round. I am going to be doing all realms in one game, so we are going to be playing 14 rounds instead of the normal three. Also, starting on the first, we are going to be doing another advent calendar. Yes, it is not Christmas, but we still want to do an advent calendar anyways, especially because this is a barroom brawl. So each day, you're going to unlock a new component. After you unlock everything, you're going to have this game where you're playing a barroom brawl, and that just sounds fun. So, hey, we can do Christmas all year round when this isn't even really Christmas. This is fighting in a bar. That's cool. That can be done any time of the year. But with all that being said, I am going to wrap up this episode with the normal outro stuff, and that is to... Feel free to drop by the YouTube channel or any of our social medias and let us know what you like or don't like nicely. And those socials are Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Mary Married Meeples. That is M-E-R-R-Y-M-A-R-R-I-E-D-M-E-E-P-L-E-S. Or on Twitter, X-X-X at Mary Married, M-E-R-R-Y-M-A-R-R-I-E-D. And don't forget all the fun stuff we have on those as well, constantly going up. Also, be sure to head over and check out our Patreon. Link is in the description down below. I will be back with the next episode in 2024, and we're going to be looking at seeing what is coming out in 2024 that has my interest peaked. So until then, enjoy your days, enjoy any New Year's celebrations you may have planned, and I will see you next year. year.